Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in to Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket comes. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Stricken Roll. I'm your host, Schwamp. This is episode 39. I'm joined by a longtime guest of the pod who uh, has not been on in a while. Uh, I don't think you've been on since a very eventful trade that your team made. Uh, and we will probably talk about that. But his name is Jack Borman. That is at JRBorman13. Jack, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm I'm good. I'm I'm happy to be here. Happy happy to see you and uh and happy to uh to bear witness to to uh to a rant that's a year in the making. It's it sounds like. So. <laughs> uh yeah, we will talk. We'll rant. We'll rave. It'll be a great time. Uh but before we get started with that, I have to make have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strick.land on Instagram. You can follow us on there. We are posting all kinds of new content. Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel if you haven't already done so. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise, which you can find on our website. There are t-shirts, there are sweatshirts, there are hats, water bottles, even coffee mugs. Plenty of things on there, so give that, uh, you know, check that out. And then finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, the podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico. That comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, this podcast, that I host solo, where I get to rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. And before we get started, none of this would be possible without Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your championship finals, info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs, from basketball and hockey to MLB, UFC, and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options, and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today, head to the website, or use your mobile device to join, and be sure to use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts, and now we will talk about basketball. Um, I, I know, you know, the NBA Finals are going on, and uh, the Denver Nuggets... One last night, they won Game Three behind uh, powered 
behind a 30-20-10 triple-double by Nikola Jokic and 30-10-10 triple-double uh, by Jamal Murray. And I think they're an interesting team to mention um, because one man, his name is Tim Connolly. Uh, he came from one said Denver Nuggets organization and joined uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves organization as the president of basketball operations. Uh, he was paid handsomely for this, and um, the results early his first year have been mixed. So I guess, you know, now that you've had a full year of the Tim Connolly experience, what are your thoughts on Tim Connolly and the job he's done so far? My thoughts are that I can't lose, really. You know, Jimmy Butler <laughs> wins a ring, or Tim Connolly is an NBA champion. Um, so I'm, I'm in a great spot right now. I don't know about you. Um, so I'm ready to spin zone anything, any which way I choose, uh, which is fantastic. Timberwolves fans were, uh, since, since our team never wins anything, we've just gotten so good at spin zoning former players, uh, oh, yeah. players and executives before they got here into, into replacing, uh, our success, uh, which That's is right. great. So, right in my so I'm, I'm a, too. I'm a seasoned vet, um, honestly, but yeah, I mean, I think obviously it, was, it just is tougher now to, to look back and evaluate that deal solely because of the CBA changes, right? Like, I think it's it's pretty easy to say, like, if, if we were at a bar with, with Tim right now, I, I think, you know, he'd probably say, like, you know, we had no idea that this was going to come and we probably don't make that move knowing what we know now about the new CBA, um, which honestly, you know, makes it an even worse trade. Um, and, and that's obviously not anybody in the front office's fault. You know, there was no way anybody could have known what was going to happen. But objectively, like, it, it does make things look worse because the, the future um, flexibility that this team has financially and, and in terms of team building resources is, is pretty strained. Um, and, and, and the worst part about all of that is that the Timberwolves now are going to have to make a decision in the next 12 months of whether and whether or not they want to break up the, the the target centers, the Northern Heights, the insert corny nickname <laughs> for two guys here. Um, yeah. and, and the and the really crummy part about it is just like there wasn't really that much of a of a sample size to go off of. Um, you know, like Carl has been an incredibly durable player throughout his career and had a really freak fluke injury, uh, missed. 52 games, I think it was. Um, and uh, the team looked really, really strong uh, down the stretch uh, once Carl came back. Um, and that was with Carl not not being anywhere close to 100%. Um, and, and I thought uh, those two both um, really gave it everything they had in that, that Western conference or the Western, what, what I think now is really the Western conference finals <laughs> since um, the Timberwolves Loki gave, gave Denver their, their best shot uh, out of any teams that they've seen uh, in, in the Western conference playoffs. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that whatever decision you're making, you're basing it off of an extremely small sample size. And if they do run it back for another year, um, they're just going to have no leverage uh, if the salary cap doesn't jump uh, to a point where it's feasible for them to, you know, keep the core four of, of those two and, and Ant and Jaden together uh, beyond next season, um, because everybody's going to know, like they got to break it up and, you know, getting two first round picks for Carl becomes one or none um, because they just won't have any leverage. And that's just an unfortunate reality of, of where things are at. And, when you're facing a CBA that, that really restricts having stars in your team and you're going to be the only team 
um, that has three max players currently projected on their roster for for 24 25 um, you, you kind of bear the brunt of uh, of what was intended to really restrict Steve Ballmer and Joe Lacob um, has uh, has made its way down to the the other big market um, of, of Minneapolis so um, we're, we're just trying to trying to figure it out right now <laughs> um, I want to go back a little bit. So obviously last year the Timberwolves get you know they had the first round exit, promising season, fun season. Um, losing six games to Memphis, a series they easily could have won, probably should have won maybe. Um, and then you know new ownership comes in kind of all the way at that point in the off season was a Tim Laurie and uh, our Mark favorites, a Rod, yeah Mark Laurie and uh, and our favorite son here Alex Rodriguez. Uh, Prince of New York City, but um, you know, then they make this this Gobert trade, and obviously they bring in Tim Connolly before that. Then they make the Gobert trade, and I guess my question is, like, I don't like. So I I think when you a GM's job in a large part is like, like I don't like always giving the pass to a GM of well the owner made him do it the owner because it's like your job as a GM is. Like guess what? Billionaires have strong opinions, and when they own their their very expensive play toy, they're gonna have very strong opinions about it. Your job is to convince them that their idea is stupid if it is stupid, and to not do the stupid thing. And I say that having experienced years and years of GMs with the Knicks being given passes or excuses of well, James Dolan, James Dolan, James Dolan, and like, look, you took the job knowing who the fucking owner was, so. At that point, I don't really think you deserve a pass there entirely. I think this is a little bit different because it is new ownership. Tim Conley comes in. And, and my question is, because I don't know this, I haven't seen much reporting on it one way or the other. Was this like all the way a Tim Connolly thing? Because this doesn't really... like. I know he's, he's traded first-round picks, future first-round picks in his time in Denver. But a move this big... At the price, it's the price. I think that's the big thing. And and like you talked about, the lack of flexibility post, you know, trade. And we're obviously talking about trading for Rudy Gobert. Um, and like, let's just revisit it real quick. It is basically your first round picks in twenty three, twenty five, twenty seven, unprotected, and a top five protected one in twenty nine. Is that correct? I think it's top five. Yep. Yeah, and then a pick swap in one of the years, twenty six or twenty eight, whichever it is. Um, and then they gave a bunch of shit. You know, Vanderbilt, Beasley, Pat Bev. Uh, the great, the great Patrick Beverly, um, Minnesota legend, changed the changed the economy here, according <laughs> to himself. Love that guy. Stamped. <laughs> Bring him back next year, please. Those three, and then um, who's the, the the European guy? Fucking the guy that you drafted from Barca. Whatever his name is, who cares? Doesn't matter. Um, we'll call him Ricky Rubio. Uh, <laughs> oh, Bal- oh, Balmero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Balmero, Balmero. Uh, so anyway, that's the trade. How much of this was like Tim Connolly being like, we've got to get this done? Or was this like Tim Connolly being like, hey, we can get Rudy Gobert. He's a good player. Let's think about it. And ownership kind of pushing him to get it done at all costs. Because to me, the way it came across and like looking back on it, it just seems like... And then there was those reports at the end of the year, which maybe you can touch on how much validity there was to it of like maybe Tim Connolly looks to leave. Uh, or he might he might you know get a job elsewhere or whatever the fuck it is. I don't think that's going to happen now. I think he's staying. He's almost certainly staying now. Um, but like you know wh- where where did that all fall? Because to me it feels like 
felt very much like a new ownership pushing to make a splash type of decision. And specifically when I say that, I mean at the price. Because I can totally see like a GM coming in being like, hey, if we can get Rudy Gobert at X, X cost, that would be worth it. But it feels like you went X plus, you know, fucking however much beyond that point uh, to get this done. Yeah, so just to start out with the with the, the price of it, uh, like I, I think a lot of people around the NBA, not more so fans, I guess, than and maybe you know like kind of fan run analysis, like what we do, um, was was really critical of the Timberwolves for thinking that they should include another first round pick instead of including Jaden McDaniels in that deal. And I think that that ended up being the best part of the trade was that the Timberwolves kept Jaden McDaniels because he he did prove that he is one of, um, if not the the best perimeter defender in in the NBA, who is also a, a really really good backside rim protector. Um, and so that was a really important win for for the Timberwolves, and that was a huge reason why they stayed afloat without Carl was because they had this elite rim protector and a, an elite uh, perimeter defender out there. Um, you know, for, for most of the minutes of the game. Um, so, so that's, that's probably why those, that, you know, those picks became four instead of maybe two or three was because Jaden wasn't included in that. And, and you look at the players that were included in that trade. I, like, I, I think everybody can point to Walker Kessler and that's fair, but oh, I think we're all kidding ourselves. If like people at the time thought that Walker Kessler was going to become what he became in that first season. Oh, um, I, no, I knew, I knew. Yeah, I mean, you just know ball like that. So, um, you know, you're tall, lanky, white guys. Um, yeah, and, was... like all the credit to, and like all the credit to Walker Kessler and the Jazz for developing him and making the trade look even worse. Um, but I, I do think that, that there was a significant amount of push from, from ownership to, to do this. Um, and the reason that's that's my opinion is is you just go look at Tim Connolly's track record of trading. Like the most aggressive trade he ever made was the Aaron Gordon deal. Which was R.J. Hampton, uh, a first round out pick, of the league Gary, right now, by and, the way, and, and Gary Harris. Yeah. And Gary Harris has been injured a bunch since getting traded to Orlando, and that that trade's obviously been a huge win for them. And that was like the most aggressive thing that they did while he was there. Um, you, you could also talk about giving Paul Millsap like ninety million dollars or whatever it was, but, um, but see, like Paul Millsap was like also really good. Like, it's also different because you know? that's just that's just money. It's not like yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's but it's just like yeah. but it's just like that's really the only aggression that we saw from from Tim Connolly. Like there was the report that came out earlier this year that Tim Connolly came to Michael Malone and was like, "Hey, we have the opportunity to trade Jamal for X guy," and I think people were kind of putting it together that it was that year that Kawhi went to Toronto. And they had the opportunity to do that, and they didn't do that, and they chose to build it organically. and And I think the Wolves like had a pretty good argument for for building it organically. Like you already have two All Star caliber players, and Ant and Carl, um, and, and you could have just let it go um, and kind of built around them, and just kind of monkeyed around, and or like you know, traded made a trade like and made a trade like the Aaron Gordon trade, you know, where you just trade like you know, let's say you trade, I don't know, like. Vanderbilt and a first round pick or Vanderbilt and, you know, a little salary filler to get to like a guy that's making like 15 ish a year or something. I mean, like just, that. just look at the trade, like the Knicks made to get Josh Hart, like, like exactly. You can make it, yeah. you can have a bunch of those moves at your disposal and, and totally help them probably win another three, four five games that they wouldn't have won yeah. had, had Josh Hart not been there. Yeah, and, or and or think... even, even what like Boston did last off season, right. Where they basically cobbled together a bunch of salaries threw in a first round pick and got Brogdon. Like, 
for sure. Moves and, like that are always when you when you keep your first round picks, you have those like little margin moves at your disposal. For sure, and and I think that if it was just Tim Connolly being involved in that, I w- I would think that he would have liked to do that just because if you're coming in as a you know as a new uh, head of the front office, like you probably don't want to do anything that's going to start your clock immediately mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. from day one. Um, and that this isn't to say that Tim Connolly like did not want to do this at all. I, I can't speak to that. Um, I, I'm sure that there was some level of excitement from him about being able to put together an experiment that no one else has really tried uh, in this modern NBA as everybody's kind of trending in the opposite direction right now. Um, and, and you look at the Western Conference and you think about guys like Jokic and Anthony Davis and LeBron um, and, and now Kevin Durant obviously wasn't there at the time, but like, and then you look at guys who who just live in the paint, like Luca and Deer and Fox and Steph and and LeBron and uh, Booker and and all these guys that are able to to really make stuff happen around the rim. Like the Timberwolves being able to to put an elite defense, you know, hypothetically with with Jaden and, and Rudy um, into a place, you know, into a Western Conference that really you know if you're gonna if you're gonna survive you got to figure out ways to stop those guys like on paper it makes sense why you know you could be excited about that team and you saw flashes of it in in the first round against denver um but yeah man it's it's just tough um and i think that the biggest kind of vibe that i get from from timberwolves fans is just like they, they would love to run it back because i think they started to see the um, they really started to see the potential in it. They had a huge win over Golden State. I think it was the second game Cat played in after winning the night before in Sacramento in a crazy way. Um, you know, those were kind of flashes. And then you saw in game four, you know, Caitlin Clark gets shown on the future Lynx legend, by the way. Caitlin Clark gets shown on the on the Jumbotron. And then Anthony Edwards just did like a Jordan Poole, you know, where like sees somebody in the front row and then just starts going crazy. Um, I think the Timberwolves went like on a 14-2 run after they showed her on the Jumbotron and Ant like went bananas and I think had 40 points in that game or something like that. Mm. Um, and so th- th- those are kinds of the flashes that, that fans got to see that really got them excited and wanting to run it back um, just because we didn't get to see it for a lot of the season. And, you know, understandably, it was really clunky the first 20 games because Cat sacrificed a ton as a scorer to constantly be looking for Rudy and make him feel involved. Cause I think he kind of knew that it was going to take Ant a while to get used to it. Cause Ant's never played with a traditional rim rolling big guy in pick and roll. And um, Ant's also like a baby. Like, so it's just different. 20 like, years old or yeah. 21 years old. Like it's pretty crazy to think about. Um, so, so I think that's kind of where things are at. I, I'd say like it was probably like 75% ownership would, would be like where I would, I would put that at. Um, but, you know, it, there's some margin for error there. Um, but just looking at Tim Connolly's track record, you, you look at a guy like Gobert, who the teams that he's played on have been really good regular season teams that have always made the playoffs for a new ownership group. Like feeling like you have a guaranteed playoff run just because you have Gobert on the roster and you'll win 45, 50 games and, and can get some, you know, return on investment right away from making the playoffs for the next four or five years. I, I certainly understand the appeal of that. Um, but injuries happen and um and that can can muck up plans pretty quickly so yeah um it's tough um i for me like i i just i think when you see reports of like oh 
Tim Connolly might already leave. Who knows how serious that actually was. But when you even see reports like that, and like, you gotta remember, like, there was a lot of hype around, like, we got Tim Connolly. We, first of all, we pulled him from, like, a division rival, theoretically, conference rival. Um, and, you know, they paid a lot to get him. I think they made him, like, they paid him top of the market money, I'm pretty sure. And, um, like, when you, like, for all of that to happen, and then within a year, you're seeing kind of like, oh, he might, you know, he might leave. He, he There might be a reason for him to go, and he might look for a job elsewhere. He could land elsewhere. I think when you see shit like that, it is some indication that the job he signed up for, maybe there was something that happened that it didn't end up being the job that he thought he was getting. And I feel like that is probably what happened with the Gobert trade, where it was like, hey, like I'm going to present you opportunities and things that we can do like i want your input and that turns into the owner being like no no that's great you want my input what i want you to do is make sure you trade for rudy gobert no matter what um and i think that puts you in a tough position and it like puts them in a position where like they made the right call to not trade uh mcdaniels instead of the extra first round pick but it's also one of those things where it's like like what if we just hadn't done any of that and and Look, it even speaks well. It's copium, man. It's, yeah. man. it's what we got to do. And it's it's even it's even like a credit to him in some sense, right? That because I'm pretty sure Connolly was he was on board by the draft, right? So like they end up taking Walker Kessler, who look like whatever you want to say about him, he was what a top two, three rookie. And that, this that was that was very much a Chris Finch pick. Finch yeah. was Finch loved Walker Kessler, and right. I think that made sense because. They were definitely interested in trying this two bigs thing. Like I think, I think they were really into the idea. Um, like I'm pretty sure that, that Kevon Looney was a guy that the Wolves went after pretty hard, and he actually I think went back to the Warriors for less money. Um, and that was part of what I, I believe fueled the um, the decision to to trade for Rudy Gobert. Um, and um, and then two, um, like with with Walker Kessler, like. You know, that that's something where you can try it for five minutes a game and just see how it works. Maybe if it's a team where you're like, we really think we can impose our will and get big against a really small team, um, you know, like the Warriors, for instance, like, let's try it. Let's just roll it out there and see what happens. But I think it was kind of like a soft launch and that, like, if we like this, great, like, we can you know, continue to evolve it over time and kind of have like Nas and Cat be these hybrid four or five guys that could play with Kessler. Um, cause I think the wolves had a vision that Kessler would be able to shoot threes, um, at some point just with how much his, his shot has developed over the last, you know, 24 months now. Um, but then obviously, you know, the, the go bear thing is like a full hard launch jump right into it. Um, so yeah, there was no, there was no proof of con. Like, I think w- yeah, what I sure. always went back to is like, I don't, I, I didn't like the idea because to me, and we've talked about this, like, I just don't like cat at the four. Like, it's just something I don't. To me, it's like, it feels a lot like this is a guy we're moving to the four because he's not good at the five, defensively anyway, obviously, um, versus it being like, this is actually the most optimal use of him. Like, it, it feels a little bit like a compromise, but if you were going to do it, like, like if you're, like you needed to do a proof of concept before you went all in on somebody. And, and especially given, like, like, Gobert is he's not some like versatile offensive piece, right? Like there's like a, there's a couple of things you can do with him. And so when you're 
committing all in to this concept. It's it's not like, oh well, well we're going to try this thing with Gobert, and then you know if he can't make it work inside, we can space him out. And like that's not how it is. Like Gobert has to be inside, and so it, it just it makes you have to commit to this very specific vision right off the bat. And I just have a tough time believing any executive, especially one that had had what, like a decade of experience in Denver um, leading an organization. I just have a tough time believing that's that would have been For like sure. his choice. And and so, you know, look, I it is what it is. Again, like he took the job and he's getting paid very handsomely for it. So I don't think anybody needs to feel like too bad for Tim Connolly here. Uh, for sure. Yeah, but, but it is I- unfortunate in the sense of like, you can kind of see like if you go back and then you look at what they had done prior to the Gobert trade, you can already kind of see the idea of like, okay, but like what we want to try this thing. We want to see this thing. Let's see this thing for a little bit. And then in, in the meantime, like we'll have, we'll run back the rest of our team, but we also have the opportunity like, Hey, like who knows what the fuck Jada Mc, sorry, Jada McDaniels. What, who knows what like, Malik Beasley and a first round pick could have fetched you last year at the, at the in the summer. Hell, it might it might have gotten you Malcolm Brogdon, right? And his, like his value is a lot higher than um, than what it is now and right. what it was right this and, season. Yeah, maybe get like it probably maybe it gets you Malcolm Brogdon straight up. Who the fuck knows? Like, but there there are all these guys. Obviously, you go back and look at all the players that moved around last offseason. There are all these guys that that could have theoretically helped them or would have been available to them that they just obviously didn't get the opportunity to even go in on because of the Gobert trade. And it's just a very like, uh, and even like, I mean, it's funny, like thinking about it this way too, is I don't really have a strong thought on this because I don't think either of these players is worth the type of price that was paid. But like, what if they had gone all in on like Donovan Mitchell instead of Rudy Gobert? Like that would be a very interesting team. Uh, I mean, you'd probably play negative defense, but like your offense would be fucking phenomenal. It'd just be, Jada McDaniels and Walker Kessler trying to hold the fort together. Uh, but, but like, it's just an, inter- it's just, there are all these opportunities obviously that come up and you don't have the opportunity to, to go in to, to even like explore them because right off the bat, you're like, well, we don't have anything to do. Like, we, you don't have And, and I think that, chances. and I think that pissed a lot of fans off because, um, one, Timberwolves fans really did not like Rudy Gobert. Like, Rudy Gobert pretty much injured Carl Anthony Towns, um, the, uh, the COVID season, um, like he went up for a layup and Rudy armbarred him as he was kind of coming across the lane and he like, and he was in the air and he, you know, when you get armbarred and you, you know, you kind of, fl- it's your natural body reaction to just kind of flail a little bit, landed on his wrist and broke his wrist. Um, so a lot of, a lot of fans didn't like him. Um, and, um, and you throw in the fact that like a lot of his likes on Twitter are pretty, out there takes on society and life and Minneapolis is an incredibly liberal place. Um, I don't think that that earned him any favors uh, with the fan base either. Um, And two, the hope and promise of like something that's greater tomorrow of the Timberwolves last season, where you're like, this was fun as hell and we're pissed that we blew this series after leading eight and 80% of the minutes or whatever it was. But it's like, at least we have all this future financial flexibility so we can like go do something fun the next like four years. And I just don't think trading what they traded for Rudy Gobert was the fan base's idea of fun. So when there were games when Rudy didn't play well or the team didn't play well and they lost and they didn't have Carl and they don't have all these picks and they're struggling. 
and everybody was like, well, the team promised me 50 wins in a playoff appearance because that was pretty much how this whole thing was marketed. Um, you know, they had every right to be pissed off and they booed this team a ton. And everybody inside the Timberwolves, except for Anthony Edwards, pretty much, was like, what, what, are, what, are, the, what are these bum fans booing us for? It's like, what are you talking about? Like, we spent all this money, all this money. You did all this marketing, telling us how great this is going to be, and it's not great. Like Carl being hurt or not, like this is a joke. And they had every right to be mad. And the fact that Rudy Gobert and Chris Finch told them to not come to the game if they're going to boo the team, like, get out of here, please. Like, take that somewhere else. Like Carlos Correa, for instance, same same fan base was like, hey, I've been playing like crap. I'd boo myself too. If I was a fan paying money to come watch me play and getting excited about me coming here and I'm playing like crap, Carlos Correa says that, then two nights later hits a walk-off or like hits a game-tying or walk-off hit to win a game. Famously, the New York Met. Yeah, the near New York Met. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like that's the type of stuff that ingratiates you with a fan base, not like complaining about it and whatnot. But I, going back to like the Connolly thing of like, well, is he going to leave? Like he had an opportunity on a local, on a really popular local radio show here to like completely shut down that he was going to, that he was not leaving and going to return. And he elected to not do that. He was just like, Oh, focused on the Timberwolves right now. Focused on the draft, interviewing guys, having a great time. Like, I don't even hear the noise. I don't read the papers. He was (laughs) like, uh, you didn't answer my question. Are you staying or leaving? He was like, I'm focused on the Timberwolves right now. I was like, all right, man, like, I, I, I understand being like, you know, like the statesman aspect of, you know, being an executive where you just don't never, you're so used to never tipping your hand about anything. But um, yeah, like from, from, from all the reasons you laid out, like I could understand why he would want to try to want to try to leave. And he's from Baltimore um, and he's got his start with the wizards. So, you know, it make it like makes sense. Um, and Bob Myers is another guy that was on that, Masai, it was like Masai, Bob Myers, uh, Tim Connolly, uh, like, and I think uh, Pat Riley was on there. The list of of executives the Timberwolves ownership group wanted to go after when they first got the team, and they, hey, credit to them, they got Tim Connolly. Um, so not but, Steve Mills, though. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, maybe Perry was like number six on that list. I, I I'm not sure. I could be wrong on that. Yeah. I only saw the top five, but um, they probably couldn't afford Steve. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> yeah, but hey, I mean, think about how much further your dollar goes in Minnesota than it goes in New York. So. <laughs> <laughs>